0: I've been in learning experiences that are super life enhancing and life giving and um, support vitality and then I've been in many education spaces that haven't. I was following that sense that how do we bring life to learning and that there's this life force that resonates within learning experiences and we can feed that life force. You had introduced Carol Sanford on one of your podcasts Mm -hmm. and I just was blown away by everything she said, <laughs> <You> <laughs> and was like, "I one. need to know this person."
1: <laughs> welcome, order greetings, and welcome back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast with myself, your host Dan Palmer. Bringing you episode 45 and today's episode is a wonderful initial conversation with a relatively new friend and colleague and fellow student based in Aotearoa, New Zealand, Emma Morris. Emma's got some really exciting stuff going on around the question of how do we bring educational experiences back to life. She's been deep diving into all kinds of relevant threads toward that end and she's part of a really exciting collaborative project to design and create a real Regenerative Learning Centre on the ground in New Zealand. If you're interested, as I'm sure many of you will be, you can go to makingpermaculturestronger.net slash E45 and find a bunch of links to the project. So let's jump right in and hear about Emma's story, and I'll catch up with you at the end and and fit you in on some of the latest happenings regarding making permaculture stronger. Enjoy. Here I am with a relatively new friend called Emma, who's speaking, joining us from New Zealand, and um, I'm, I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to catch up and, and hear about all the work you've been doing and everything else. Emma, thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for getting in touch. I'm very excited to share some of what's been going on in my world.
1: Mm, yeah, can't wait to hear. I mean, it'd be, it'd be cool. I like the idea of if we can just briefly cast our minds back and figure out exactly, well, roughly how we how we got to know each other. Um, yeah, and then I'd, I'd love to dive in and just, just really explore and share. I, I personally would say I my aims are around wanting to get to know you better and also to really explore and learn from all the rich and juicy places you've been exploring, which I know overlap with a lot of the stuff that this project's about. And what Do you want to start? What's your recollection? When, I think I've known you for a couple of years. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Um, I think I came across your podcasts naturally because I've been so interested in permaculture for the last sort of eight, ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and kept hearing your name pop up through mutual friends who I was sort of delving into permaculture with, like Dave Hursthouse, who I now work closely with and is a close friend, but as well as um, Courtney Brooke and mm-hmm. Rabina, and Finn and Just, yeah, lots of people in the permaculture world kept mentioning your podcast, so I was listening to them a lot. And then, yeah, Dave got more involved with you And um, I was following what he was up to a lot in the making permaculture stronger space a bit. And we were both, we're all in India together during Mm -hmm. the permaculture convergence back in, I think it was 2017, where a lot of those juicy discussions were happening and I was getting super interested in, yeah, a lot of the discussions you were having, which then sort of shifted into, I was, I got really interested into in your discussions with a lot of the people from Regenesis Group, which I guess has maybe been more recent, last couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And And,
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then it's just that same thing of the names keep popping up in different places. Mm. So I've just finished studying this course called Leadership for Change. And in that program, they mention Regenesis Group a lot and use their frameworks a bit. So yeah, they kept popping up. And so when I was developing a... Um, Research project, which is centered around a regenerative approach, I kept thinking about people I want to speak to, and your name kept appearing, which is when I got in touch maybe like a year ago.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: Yeah, and then um, we lined up an interview so I could interview you for my research and get lots of insights into the way that you view. I guess, a regenerative approach to life, but I was specifically looking at education.
1: Yeah, I remember that conversation. It was, a, it, was, yeah, it was a memorable conversation. It was a beautiful conversation. I remember I was really struck by the way in which you really took it to a pretty deep place and were able to really – I did a lot of thinking and reflecting on stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise actually brought into consciousness and tried to put it into words in the moment and um and that was part of your thesis that you've just finished.
0: Yes, yeah, and oh, yeah, I loved that interview. Um, I go back to it quite a lot because um, just a lot of the ways that you described this lens that you see the world with is quite, I guess, grounded in the the permaculture lens and the living process lens, and in this emerging. Living systems Mm
2: -hmm.
0: theory space. Um, So I think you, of everyone I interviewed, were in a are in quite a similar space to me in sort of starting to grasp all these concepts coming out of Genesis Group. Yeah, and it was really interesting to hear. Yeah, the way that you were describing concepts around um, life force and um, life processes. And then also listening to your podcast after that and seeing the way that you started um, reflecting and learning from more from Regenesis um, and unpacking things, which I just also had been doing sitting (laughs) on my computer at home going through my research. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a, it's been a really fascinating journey seeing how both of our, um, streams of knowledge have been weaving together yeah, in yeah, different yeah. places. Yeah, well,
1: and, and I'm, my sense is that it's a, there's a little bit of an asymmetry here, and that with you listening to the podcast and all that, and the interviews, and that you know more about my relationship to that stuff than I do about yours. So that's what I want to get into now. Um, what I've got coming to mind is a is a kind of basically a Venn diagram, right? Because it's like, and and then honing in on the juicy overlap. So I just want to get my kind of head around the different. <laughs> The different sets that, that that we can then start to dip into the overlap. So we've mentioned permaculture, we've mentioned living systems thinking, you um, use, used living process, which by which I take it you mean living design process, which is something I've been kind of exploring in a way in, in the overlap of those spaces, as well as drawing on Christopher Alexander's work, which you're probably familiar with if you yeah. listen to the podcast and everything. You also have just done a or you, you you mentioned a course on leadership for change leadership for change why do yeah. why don't we take these one at a time and just give us you can give us a kind of a you know an executive summary or just a you know a, a heads up on what each of these is about for you and then we can dive into the the waters where they overlap so i don't know you whether you do it in historical sequence or whatever 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 comes to mind just run us through the different things that yeah. you've been exploring
0: yeah sure and i think so part of my research has been trying to define each of those as well and hone in on just a couple rather than so many yeah. that will help me um, unpack what I am looking at which is how to make education more regenerative essentially bringing, right. okay. be- that's bringing good. education to life
1: yeah. yeah awesome that's that's really great so that gives us a, a theme and, and you're diving into all these these juicy um, domains in service of that theme bringing education to life love it yeah
0: so I, when I started the research, I was following this sense that um, that I that I've been in learning experiences that are super life-enhancing and life-giving and um, support vitality, and then I've been in many education spaces that haven't, mm. and so I was trying to follow that sense and see what it was that was achieving that, and so mm. some of the spaces that I had found life-giving uh, were permaculture. Courses um, mm-hmm. and they were kind of bringing together all these different concepts that I was fascinated in, but also grounded in real life experiences. where We were, you know, on the ground making compost while we're talking about how that relates to our inner ecosystems and then working as a group to do that. And it was mm. sort of stacking all these things and creating this really brilliant and alive classroom that was so different to any education settings i had before and then as well just like kind of more implicit learning experiences where i was traveling around the world around central america and europe and southeast asia doing woofing and a lot of that would be centered around permaculture farms where um it just felt incredibly alive and dynamic and you were learning so much, I was learning so much, but it wasn't anything like sitting in a classroom. (laughs) Um, So for me, permaculture was probably the main shift into a new world out of standard university settings.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And then from there, I guess, started exploring more deeply um, what's behind permaculture, like systems thinking, which then led me into living systems thinking yep, yep. Um, as well as deep ecology so both kind of going through the theory the books Joanna Macy and Arne um, Ness and um, Gregory Bateson, systems theory stuff and then yep. actually getting involved in the Work That Reconnects workshops, so live workshops where you're going through these mm-hmm. deep ecology practices and just being completely blown away by those experiences, like actually feeling, you know, my whole world shift and learning different ways of being while um, really actually embodying these theories in a way that was so different to just kind of reading about them and actually being able to experience it fully in my body and every part of me Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, this is what, this is what education could be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I guess just continuing to move through that and start to get to a place where I wanted to to both start holding experiences like that and nest that within my own, uh, like developing my own practice a bit deeper and just kind of through connections and friends and circumstance I came across this um, research program, Leadership for Change, Mm -hmm. and had been told that it's kind of a, it's through a polytech in New Zealand, Otago Polytech, but it's, it, I was told that it's still kind of an alternative model and it, it's less about lectures and being told theory and more about growing your own capacity and kind of like a mentorship and mm. uh, reci- reciprocal learning experience and that you, they kind of just support you to do what you want to do. So yeah, I dived into that program which was started with a in-person intentional retreat Mm -hmm. where people across the country all came together in Raglan and actually at a permaculture farm. And we just spent like, I think it was three or four days just kind of getting to know each other and doing different reflective practices, like inner reflective practices, which I hadn't done much of before and really honing in on what we are interested in, what we care about and why, mm-hmm. um, and our motivations behind all that. And then the, the first part of this research program is that you start with something called a review of learning, where you look back at essentially everything you've ever learnt and all the work you've done in your different working environments and mm-hmm. reflect on why you think the way you do, where your values have come from, your childhood and upbringing, um, basically not taking for granted the way you see the world and questioning it and being like, who am I and why do I think like this? Mm-hmm. And again, I'd never done anything like that. So it really kind of, yeah, rocked my world <laughs> and made me realize a whole bunch of things, but particularly things around my lack of self awareness generally, like that I hadn't developed many inner practices of understanding why I see things the way I do, and also just kind of honing in on the things that I really care about and my sort of potential and um, where to focus that energy. Mm-hmm. So at that point I had trained as an urban planner and I'd been working in um, urban planning for a couple of years and just found it completely um, frustrating and disappointing. <laughs> um, I had actually quite enjoyed the university programme um, because it, I mean, it was still very like intellectual in, in our heads, but I enjoyed the idea that, I mean, that's when I was actually introduce, introduced to a lot of systems theory and that, a lot of the way that we create the world does affect the way people engage in it like that's kind of the whole basis of urban planning is you can design spaces that actually make the world better for people Mm -hmm. um but then when i went to work in it uh, there's just no space to actually do that it's all just constrained by the system that it's in and i was just i just felt kind of like i was I was drowning in it and there wasn't any, I couldn't see any way to make much systemic change, um, especially at the level I was at and just became completely disillusioned by it. So it wasn't until I was doing the review of learning that I kind of finally actually realized I needed to fully quit (laughs) Mm -hmm. rather than kind of holding on to it a little bit, thinking maybe I'll make change one day. I was like, no, this is time to stop. And actually Mm -hmm. I have a, passion and education I've been spending the last however long following these incredible courses and starting to experiment holding little workshops myself like why don't I just follow this fully so yeah my research process was kind of a, a personal process around like owning that I want to move into the space of education mm. and developing the courage to teach which is this a phrase by Parker Palmer, which is all about, like, that a lot of, yeah, for me, I think I had, I had pushed the idea of teaching away because of my relationship with teachers, which had often been quite hierarchical, and mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to be like that, but also, I think, ideas around, I don't know, what I wanted to do in the world, and that maybe I had this lens that teaching wouldn't make a big change or impact which I think was because it was sitting within my ideas of conventional education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so through the research, I sort of identified that I I want to step into the space of saying, I do want to teach, but I don't want to teach in the way I, I have known teaching to be, which meant exploring other ways of teaching, including, like, what is what is the way that I've experienced teaching in these sort of more regenerative spaces. And it's usually been a much more reciprocal concept. And that resonates strongly with spaces I've been in where I have uh, been in spaces of Maori learning, which um, are often embedded in the concept of ako, which is a Maori concept about the teacher always learning and the learner always teaching. Mm -hmm. And so the, one of the terms for teacher in uh, te reo Māori is kāiako, which means the giver or receiver of knowledge. Um, so that has felt more comfortable for me, claiming that actually my journey is towards being a kāiako rather than a journey towards being a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I got to with my own professional practice through Leadership for Change. And then, yeah, the research topic itself has been this kind of quite quite almost um, sacred experience for me about f- following this idea of learning, having a life force, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: what that could look like in practice.
1: This excites me as i've been what you 've been sharing has been learning for me it 's lovely to feel this this theme building and re- realizing too that as you mentioned you're learning the Maori language and, and bringing a lot of these concepts into your work as well. And I know you've engaged with holistic decision-making. I realized, oh, hang on, there's way too many influences for us to just go through those one at a time, right? It'll, it'll, it, w- it would feel fragmented. So that mm. I'm excited that we can bring them in as appropriate, really diving into this theme. And one of the reasons it excites me is you've discovered that education is, is your thing. And, and then this question, this amazing question of uh, well, how do we bring educational experiences more to life? And starting with that realisation that there's a continuum, right? That some learning experiences, I mean, some are outright kind of deathly, but at the very least lacking life and some are infused with life and have all these all these different dimensions and it's embodied and there's to and fro and, and some of these things you're talking about. So my sense is you're on this quest, right, to really to personally f- for yourself to um, become, what was the word you used, the Māori term, ak- akio?
0: Kai ako.
1: Ako, yeah. So it's a personal journey, and also along the way you 're kind of leaving a trail in terms of your your, your writing and, and sharing so um, shining light on that journey that i 'm sure so many of us are interested in and and to me, this is so closely related to what excites me about living design process, which starts from the observation that just at a, kind of at a high level anything humans create, educational experiences or buildings or farms or relationships, whatever, can have more or less life and and that's in a sense that, that's my juicy defining question is like, what what are, the, what are the characteristics or what are the ingredients of, of any process that generates more life? And, and, you, and, you, and you've got this really focused application of that same question in the educational context. So I really want to um, yeah probe this and, and learn as much as I can from you about what you've discovered. So where do you want to take it from here?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I can speak to the continuum thing because that was actually mm, something very really useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was actually listening Oh, no. Yeah, you had introduced Carol Sanford on one of your po- podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I just was blown away by everything <laughs> she said. And I was like, I one. need to know this person. <laughs> so I was sort of looking her up and um, trying to find as much as possible and reading a bunch of her blogs on Medium and then saw that she had a open research project that you could apply for. And yeah, you right. ended up doing it too, yeah. right? We both but,
1: did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Regenerative Life, yeah, which <laughs> I look at pretty much every day.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so so I um, did that process with her where she guided us through looking at a project that we were doing through a regenerative lens and was introduced to the four paradigms and it was those four paradigms that actually really put things into place for Mm. me around Mm. just clearly showing the difference between, like you say, that continuum of experiences that are, are dead end um, draining to experiences that really nourish.
1: So run us um, through the paradigms, just to refresh. We we I, Carol, I oh, you probably know, but I interviewed Carol and she shared those recently. So most listeners will following listeners that have not here for the first time will be familiar with them but it'd be lovely to hear them in your own words
0: yeah so what I did for my research to help me essentially was look at the four paradigms and write a personal story of myself experiencing Mm -hmm. something in education that felt like it sat within each paradigm Mm. and so for the first one which is value return that's all about like resource extraction and a very authoritarian view and so an education that comes up in, I mean, quite a lot in sort of lecture style, where it's someone at the front telling people what to know, as well as what Free Air calls the banking model of education, where you're kind of seeing students as numbers and just using them to essentially improve the economy. And my experience of that was being at university and just sitting in this lecture hall of, you know, a thousand people and not knowing any faces around me and seeing this little dot of a human way down the front that was just talking about all these things that I didn't understand. And we were in a basement and we were under under one of the main roads in Auckland and it was (laughs) dark. And I was kind of falling asleep and there's people all around me on on their laptops playing Candy Crush and all that stuff. And I was just looking around being like, I do not want to be here. I do not know what's going on. I don't know the name of anybody around me. I don't feel connected to anyone. And <laughs> I, I don't think I'm learning anything. All I'm learning is how to not fall asleep while <laughs> the teacher talks. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, what I was thinking in terms of value return. And then the next one is arrest disorder, which is like that concept of stopping harm. And it's very disconnected. And um, like ecology, it's seen in sort of the conservation movements, like stop the stop the bad plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and in education, I think it's kind of the problem-solving approach. Like there's a lot of focus on... Um, Uh, fixing this problem identify a problem and then figure out how to fix it but that that is so limiting because it's um, you know that classic idea of you're never gonna be able to solve a problem if you're going at it with the same mindset as was when it was created (laughs) yeah Um, and it's just not providing the like possibilities and potential so my example for that was I got a um, little teaching contract with primary schools through this kind of environmental program, and I was told that um, I w- we were focusing on marine for the year, the marine environment, and I was to hold a session on the issues and I kept saying to the the program leaders, you know um, you know issues are nested within." possibilities and wider systems and Mm. they're connected to so many other things like I can't just focus on the issues and they're like no it's just the issues you just focus on the issues so I took these kids I tried to do something that was a bit creative anyway and connected and I took these um, young children who were kind of maybe like 10 years old into a wetland area and we pretended to be birds and we imagined what the area would have been like 100 years ago and we tried to figure out what was going on that might not be so good for the birds and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and they just naturally were so Holistic in their thinking, like they couldn't just focus on the issues. You know, they just kept <laughs> connecting everything together and weaving the worlds. so I was just like, ah, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was just such a clear example of like how much we try and kind of box children mm-hmm. even into these sort of siloed approaches to things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The third one is do good, the do good um, paradigm, which is all about sort of having clear moral boundaries and you know, there's this one good way to do things and and universal rules and cultures and in education I've noticed it a lot in sort of the social sciences we are like examining bad things that have happened in the world with this kind of disconnection to how much we're actually perpetuating those systems all the time so things like studying racism issues but not looking at the way that racism shows up every day in our classroom there's also that an approach in education where everyone's treated as equal everyone's the same but that doesn't actually recognize all the inequities that are happening all the time anyway and this one I this one I realized actually through Carol's research program that I was sitting there quite a lot of the time that I was um, often sort of feeling like I I see the world in a certain way and I want to shift people's mindsets to see that same way too. Yeah. And it wasn't till this kind of distinction of do good and then regenerative that I realized actually it's more about um, like expanding all of our ways of seeing the world, not just like me imposing my ideas on other people,
2: yeah, <laughs> which yeah. has been quite a
0: massive learning.
2: Yeah.
0: And my example for that was a... Uh, workshop I was holding maybe a year or a year and a half ago where we did a culture setting uh, exercise where we were trying to set the group culture together so that we would have a way of being for the rest of the week together and in that in that example I was um, at the time really into it and feeling like it was going really well we were getting all these cool ideas about you know like allowing space for everybody to be heard and um, speaking from the eye and trust and respect and all these wonderful statements on paper. (laughs) And and it wasn't till kind of near the end of the session that I realized that the only people that had been engaging were people that were white and mostly male Mm. and that the few Maori participants hadn't said anything. And um, most of the women had been quite quiet as well. And at the end, I saw there was a group of sort of four or five Maori participants that kind of went and sat together by themselves afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. And I went and chatted to one of them, who's a close friend of mine, later. And I was kind of like, "Um, oh, you know, I guess she, she was a woman. And I said, oh, I just realized that. The men were speaking a lot the whole time, weren't they? And she was like, I don't know if it was just a male thing. I think it was a Pakya thing. <laughs> we just created this Pakya culture without even realizing. Yeah. So that was quite a another just, yeah, wake-up call that we were sort of doing this universal blanket on the group. And then, yeah, the fourth paradigm being the regenerative uh, paradigm and... I guess that's the one that I ended up exploring throughout my whole research,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which is all about, yeah, developing the capacity of the learner and the teacher to evolve themselves rather than, yeah, this idea of imposing things on them. And I guess, yeah, that's the one that I have had like sparks of and seen it at different times in different ways and have been wanting to explore further and further and unpack what's going on there.
1: Yeah, oh, this is exciting. Let me let me just run run through them. Just, just, I'd, I'd like a chance to refine my own thinking about them and recap them. Is that right? Yeah. So, okay. So, education from 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 the four levels of paradigm that Sanford's discerned and laid out and shared with us. So, at a value return level, I mean, often value return is business as usual, and business as usual in education is it's usually the the commodity is intellectual knowledge, and it's um, it's 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 a value return in the sense that the student is investing something time or energy or money or whatever in order to obtain access to to that value in the form of intellectual knowledge so that's there's a value return going there and and whether it's the the lecturer or whatever is getting paid or they're just getting a sense of sharing what they consider valuable with the world like acknowledging that value return is not inherently bad there are kind of nice and benign ways of going about it and but Mm -hmm. at its at its lowest level it becomes a value extraction thing where i'm extracting money or en- enrolment numbers from the students and, and they're they're extracting wow a lot of them aren't even paying attention they're playing candy crush so they're not, they're not <laughs> even extracting knowledge from the lecturer they're just extracting a um a pass or whatever but it's yeah it's ultimately pretty dimensionless or or, or, or empty if, if that's where the center of gravity is and then moving up to do good the other problem solving thing which i know has been a big thrust in a lot of educational approaches is like, you know that that's how that's we're teaching you to think and the way you think is you identify a problem you go about solving it and you, all your energy is about lessening something bad which a problem by definition is something that you want to solve as in get rid of so it's all about making things go away and so the ultimate outcome of a problem solving orientation is that you have made something go away <laughs>
2: mm.
1: <laughs> which kind of isn't really that exciting right so you end up with no- hopefully all going well you end up with nothing <laughs> yeah. of an absence of an absence of a thing you started with as opposed to the possibility of actually creating something new which which can transition us to do good it's like actually let's do something positive let's do something good the 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 dark shadow side of that being that who defines good and mm. you you were noticing those different layers in which we can consciously or unconsciously impose our own definition of, of this is good this is you know, this is good this is this is fair this is equitable this is exciting this is regenerative this is whatever this is permaculture there's an there's a underlying flavor of imposition, no matter how yeah. good the imposer thinks the, the stuff they're imposing is. Um, says
0: who, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, says who, yeah. And then, then that exciting possibility of moving to a generous space, which is about evolving capacity and genuinely immersing in the uniqueness of, of whatever you're dealing with, a person or a, or a place or organization, and supporting that to grow. Well, that was a big epiphany for me. I'd love to hear you speak to as well. <clears throat> when I interviewed Carol, I hadn't picked up the idea that they're all, they all have their place. But if you can make regenerate life your center of gravity, and then you can move back down and the others are nested inside. So you, you're doing good where, <clears throat> where good has been defined by the thing you're in service of. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a regeneratively defined good. And yes, there are challenges and issues and all that and problems along the way. And you don't, it's not like you're ignoring them. And letting them get worse, but you can be honoring those in a way that's simultaneously regenerating life. And then at the end of the day, it's all good to obtain a yield to, to, to get value. But, but yeah. that can pull out of the larger, more inclusive um, considerings all to the good. What is that where you got? What, what, do you, what do you want to say about that?
0: Yeah, and that they are all in relationship to where we're all currently at as well. So they do kind of provide the scaffolding approach depending on how familiar people are um, with different ways of learning and yes. um, teaching because, you know, it's, you can't just jump into, or it might be difficult to jump into something that's, that feels truly regenerative with somebody that's only ever experienced that value return paradigm.
1: Yeah. That's a paradigm. Point. Yeah. 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 In fact, that um, would probably be, it would probably devolve into doing good. Like you think you're doing good by trying to jump from value return to regenerate life when, yeah, that's yeah there's no i can't comp- it doesn't compute there's no
0: yeah
1: it has to be an evolution
0: yeah and that we're, we're just not in a um, current space that sits totally in the regenerative paradigm so we need to you know meet meet everything where it's at and then support it to grow
1: okay well this, yeah this is exciting so that was that was a big a, bre- a breakthrough a moment of realization and epiphany that the four levels of paradigm let you become more self-conscious of how you are spending a lot of time at the do good level and, and brought a lot of clarity to your quest or your question around what is it that brings education to life. Yeah. Hey, this is Dan in after the fact editing mode. Sorry for this little glitch. Emma's just moving into talking about what European settlers found when they arrived in New Zealand and how the traditional indigenous Māori in New Zealand approaches to education were an important influence on her work and are an important influence. A couple of terms that might not otherwise be defined, a pākehā, which is means a European New Zealander, Marae, which is a, New Zeal- a Māori meeting house. There's Te Reo Māori, which is the Māori language, and Te Ao Māori, which is the Māori worldview. All right, let's jump right back in.
0: Ecosystem going on that Pākehā got to witness when they arrived that had been happening in Māori society on the land forever, um, including sacred educational practices and... Um, the concept of the traditional wharewananga which is like the um, schooling system that was already existing before Pakia came um, and that held a lot of the ancient wisdom held by Māori um, to my understanding I still only have a limited understanding of what was going on in those spaces um, mm. because of conversations I've had with Māori who have shared that with me
2: mm.
0: um, so yeah, what I got to was um, what from both my experiences in different spaces of te ao Māori, from different um, wānanga, which are like learning experiences, um, and through my te rio learnings and through being on marae, um, what is it that I find and um, have been told by the people that I interviewed um, who are Māori that comes from that emerging that indigenous knowledge space that really gives life to learning experiences, so that was this kind of one really strong stream that was coming in, and mm. then what is it from what I ended up just calling the regenerative lens, which I guess encompasses kind of what we talked about before: permaculture, mm-hmm. living systems, thinking, etc. What mm. is it from that regenerative lens that are these kind of core principles that really bring life? to learning that I've experienced or that the people I interviewed, including you, shared. So it was weaving my own experience within those two spheres plus the stories of from the kaioko, um, from the people I interviewed, as well as theory on all of the stuff together to kind of come up with a approach to learning that um, is life-giving.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess the other main thing I need to mention is that this was all um, sitting within the um, a tangible organisation, which is the socio-ecological learning environment, which is a project that I've been working on with a group of people um, here, including um, Dave, who I mentioned before, which is about creating a living learning environment on mm-hmm. some land. Mm-hmm. So, so my mission here was to to define this approach to learning that we could actually then hold in reality at this learning space on land. And um, So, should I talk about the learning approach?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really keen to hear, yeah.
0: Yeah, so this is kind of just the very beginning of the story for me,
1: mm.
0: and it has been quite tied into theory, like I've been working on this approach, this concept, and the next step is to just keep playing with it in practice. Um, so yeah, the learning environment is, it's, I mean, it was created as a response to the broken education system, to what a group of us consider very broken.
1: Does so, that make it a rest disorder? or?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess what we're trying to do is is a regenerative approach, but yeah, and saying that we do get caught up all the time, noticing how much we're still like sitting within the other paradigms
1: for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, for sure, we all. Um,
0: all sure. And yeah, basically, like myself, my partner, and a bunch of our friends have just continued to experience this kind of disconnect between the education that we received and then what we want to be doing on the world and what we see is happening, and this kind of this doesn't seem to be much relevance between especially what we learned at university and what we believe is needed going forward including mm. sort of enhancing and supporting the land and the water and our ecosystems but also healthy thriving communities and people so we kind of all there's there's about seven of us now and it's growing um but we gathered around mainly the concept of this kind of shared worldview of interconnectedness that everything is is interconnected and that can be experienced from um, this kind of emerging western ecological paradigm but is also very much um, born from the indigenous worldview and so we've been working to create this learning environment that provides opportunities for young people like mainly kind of um in the in the transition stage either finishing high school or have done a degree that that they didn't get much out of Mm. um, and provide basically like a tertiary level alternative um that teaches all the things that we didn't learn at school so how to grow your own food and how to look after the land and how to work with people and how to understand yourself and how to Then kind of make the change that you want to make in the world, whatever Mm. that is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like a a resiliency training center, but the idea is that there would be accredited programs. So that way it's quite accessible for people as well because we can get student loans here. Mm -hmm, mm Because what we don't want it to be as this very kind of inaccessible retreat um, yeah. with expensive courses that only certain people can go to. Yeah. So instead, it's like a very public, um, inviting campus that is all based on land and has a whole bunch of regenerative income generating practices happening on the land. So we can actually demonstrate possible futures for people. So mm-hmm. have a Awesome compost uh, business. That's also a compost classroom, and yep. have market gardens and regenerative agriculture practices, and kind of show show these practices in real time with real people. But also use those as as yeah classrooms that we can learn in and be involved in.
1: Wiki, this uh, yeah, is so exciting, and I'm yeah. I'm imaging the you know you've shared bit about your your journey and your passion and what you're bringing to it and obviously it seems clear that the other the other six and, and the others that are joining at you know they've been on their own quests and sitting in the yeah. space of their own questions and they'll be bringing those flavors it reminds me of that well there's the buckminster Mr. fuller quote about rather than trying to shift or fight or change the system just create new systems or, or projects that make old ways of doing things obsolete
2: mm. you know that,
1: that kind of thing rather than trying to transform the university system or, or whatever which might take multiple lifetimes and achieve very little and it might all just crumble at some point anyway we'll just create something new you know
0: yeah exactly that's and that's what i realized working in the urban planning system was like yeah i'm just yeah. not making any change here i need to get out and and by because all systems are connected we believe that by creating this alternative system we would be impacting the other systems anyway mm-hmm. um, and there would be kind of direct ways that we would purposefully engage in that like sort of professional development programs offered for um, yep. more kind of business as usual yep. Yep. organizations
1: and yeah. whether that t- like you've found some land or
0: yeah, so we've just registered as a trust recently, um, which means that we can now, we're, we're currently waiting on our charitable status, yep. um, and that means that we could receive funding, and yeah, we have found this incredible piece of land in uh, Wanganui. Mm, I
1: think which... I know, I'm pretty sure I know the piece of land. Yeah. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's next to the Wanganui River. Um, mm. And that's been a whole journey for all of us anyways, sort of connecting to that region and that area mm. and those mm. stories from the river. Because you all moved there, I lived there, right? Yeah. yeah, so the idea is that there wouldn't be any sort of long-term residence on the land, like it would be a public school, essentially, okay. um, but that there would be uh, potential for kaitiaki or stewards to uh, live on the land for like a year or two people that are working intensely there as well as accommodation for students and learners and Yeah, yeah that
1: sounds 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 wise.
0: Yeah. Just you pe- know, to, keep to, it to, separate.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah, to create an intentional community and a,
0: a, a learning thing. school business at the yeah. same time
1: as a as a can of worms. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean we're a lot of us are interested in intentional communities, but there's a lot of them already in Whanganui that yeah. we can sort of get in touch with or just have that as like another, yeah, or we'll go and live there and day.
1: commute to the school, or whatever, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. <laughs> And we also didn't want to be very um, removed like this little separate community where everyone's living and working. That's we, as much as possible. We want to be connected into the Whanganui area, so by living amongst the community, I think that supports that as well,
1: yeah, yeah. One burning question I had is you've, you've just finished the regenerative practitioner course right is that right or is it still going? yeah
0: i actually just um our group handed in our final assignment this morning
1: oh wow <laughs> yeah if i want to hear about it because i'm into sanford i'm into regenesis i'm into these all those, these ideas and you've just done this um had this this learning experience and you know what how, tell me a bit about it how was it what 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 stood out for you and
0: yeah i mean it was so potent for um all this research about feeding into the actual learning approach and really just like um, honing in on concepts that resonated deeply with me um, that are under this umbrella of regenerative practice. Cause it was still a bit vague for me, I think mm-hmm. um, of what that really means. Um, and yeah, also just being connected to a whole bunch of people across Aotearoa that are also into this stuff has been super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, There was concepts in it that I had kind of already heard of that became more crystallised for me.
1: Um, Can you tell me about what were some of them?
0: Yeah, the three lines of work was one that I had already heard of but that we went deeper into, and that is one that has been pretty foundational for actually shaping what ended up being my learning model, which has Mm -hmm. three um, layers to it.
1: And Um, that... can you just, just describe the, that, that framework to us? Three what lines what of are work? the three
0: lines? Yeah. Um, so it's about looking at your inner self as the first line or layer, um, looking at your team or group around you as your second layer, and looking at the environment that you're nested in as a third layer. Well, mm-hmm. That's the way I've looked at it. And just yep. the understanding that those three are always nested within each other back and forth and they all affect one another so it's kind of again what i touched on earlier about how like i felt i hadn't spent much time looking at myself at my inner world that i was so focused on fixing the outside world but this shift in understanding that you know healing our environment actually heals ourselves and healing ourselves heals um, our relationships with people and the environment that we're nested in and they're just all interconnected mm. all the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: so that yeah that one it's just such a beautiful and quite simple concept to kind of hold all the time so mm. i like to hold that constantly and think about that and everything that i'm doing now mm. you know yeah, if i'm yeah. if i'm especially like holding a learning environment if it's about growing vegetables how is it also about Growing the relationship of the people and supporting the health of the person at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's not. it's not just about growing vegetables. Um, and then the other, the other main. I mean, the main thing for me that I loved about it is that it provides all these frameworks that I think help me scaffold towards this way of seeing that I appreciate in in indigenous worldviews like Tia Māori Mm. of the interconnected nature and and these ideas of systems thinking. And I feel like because of all of the conditioning I've had and the way that I see the world, I need that scaffolding to help me get there
2: Mm.
0: because of not not being immersed in that environment fully. It's like a great way to support people and take steps to getting there in a very explicit way and i think i do I, f- I did feel the course i feel like there's potential for the course like to be more embodied and more and could learn a lot from indigenous ways of knowing mm, yeah that it still to me was pretty intellectual and heady and it was very kind of you know we get these theories of things and a lot of the concepts have a lot of jargon to them and mm. we read a lot before we meet and then we meet and then we talk about them and it's still in some ways quite like one or two dimensional learning Mm -hmm. and i think i mean one thing i haven't gone through yet is the wananga where we all come together so the way it's structured is you we all meet online each week and have all these debriefs and um, talk together over these theories and concepts mm. and mm. then we're all meant to come together in person so the Regenesis group folk come over to Aotearoa and we all spend like three days on a marae together immersing and they've said that that is the time where a lot of the knowledge does sink into a more embodied mm. and mm. Um, felt place
2: Yeah,
0: and so I guess that's where I'm sitting at the moment is I feel like I haven't quite got that element yet. Like it's still and is that going to happen? in my head. Yeah. I mean, because of um, COVID, it's all been postponed. Yeah, yep, yep. So we're not really sure, but the idea is that yeah, it will still happen at the end of
1: the year or something. And who were the main facilitators? Was it like all the, all the, all the crew or the, did to see some more people, people more than others.
0: We had um, Bill Reed most weeks, which yep. was great. And mm. then Joel was my, was around a lot and he was also my tutor for my little group and i was just yep. blown away by him <laughs> he's yep. just like yeah incredible mm. and yeah a, a bunch of others there's probably maybe like six of them all up kind yep. of yep. rotating and mixing and different
1: yeah yeah um, cool
0: dynamics each time yeah oh, it's great
1: to hear it's great to hear and i'm glad that they're they're doing what they're doing and it's it's yeah. an offering that's available in australasia and I'll, yeah I'll, I'll, just, I'll decide at some point whether i, j- I jump in there although currently i'm Struggling to keep up with Carol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell, um, tell us about the, the approach to learning that you, where, you, where, you, where you've landed or, you know, your current iteration or whatever after all these adventures.
0: Yeah, cool. So um, the main, I was following that sense that how do we bring life to learning and that there's this life force that resonates within learning experiences and we can feed that life force in a way that makes it, flourish and thrive or we can or it's always there and we can just neglect it and it um sits kind of at a low level Mm. so there's there's lots of ways that the people i spoke to for the research described that um and one of the terms uh so things like chi or energy or um or just yeah general feeling of aliveness or vibrancy or life force um and then a maori term is modi um which is yeah the concept that everything has this inner life force in it and that is connected to all of the other life forces and so a a plant has it and a human has it and it can go up and down um whether it's cared for or not Mm. um so where i got to was how about instead of focusing on you know, teaching content and the outcome of a learning experience. We focus on nurturing the life force of um the place that the learning experience is sitting within and the life force of the group itself in that learning experience and then the life force of each person that is present. So that created this yeah nested layered approach mm. which aligns with that three lines of work I mentioned before. Mm, yeah, um yeah. but flipping it so that place is in the middle mainly just for a perspective shift so we're not putting people in the center always
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: place in the center going out to the group and then going out to the person then just attaching a couple of ways of learning to those so for the place it's like a kaitiakitanga or place-based approach to learning so in every learning experience thinking actually where are we um let's ground ourselves in this and understand the story of this place Mm -hmm. and tell that and experience that through the learning experience no matter what it is and that can be a quick thing or it can be a deep thing um Mm. but let's experience that together and really understand who this place is
2: Mm.
0: as a living being Mm -hmm. and then the next layer being a tanga or relational approach to learning so understanding that we do learn in relationship and actually actively making space to nurture the wholeness of the group and the connections between each other and help that group feel really strong and thrive together and then yeah the Person supporting the person's life force through a nana or embodied learning approach. So, how can I engage the whole person in this learning experience and support them to see and understand their own essence and their own potential? Yeah, so that's the, the three layers of the learning approach, um, which at the moment I'm calling something like akoranga ora or healthy learning, being that we are supporting healthy. A healthy place, a healthy group, and healthy people.
1: One one question comes up for me is, I could see how you could apply. You you could communicate and invite people into an experience that's themed around that. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be exploring space, exploring exploring our relation and nurturing our relationship to place, nurturing and coming to understand better our relational dynamics as a group, and then then within that field, those those nested energy fields, creating a space in which our individual uh, uniquenesses can be developed. I could see how it could also be applied, I guess, more in the background on a course that has a has an ostensive topic, like whether it's a one-day course on composting or something, or, or a, a permaculture design course. Or yeah, do you see it in the same way that it can it can be everywhere? Sometimes it can be more in the foreground. You're, this you're coming for this. Other times you can still you'll still get what you came for. If it is a themed topic, it'll just it just turns out this is the underlying kind of educational experience that we're. We're, we're nesting that topic within or something like that, is that how you yeah mean?
0: exactly that's um that's kind of the whole ethos is that you could apply this to anything at any scale mm. and you can go a lot deeper and a lot longer with mm. with it or it can be applied to yeah like a one day or a two day thing yeah and it's kind totally. of it's that it's that recognition that every Social-focused topic is an ecological-focused topic, and every ecological one mm. is a social one, you know. So, mm-hmm. just and which helps teach that as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's really it's awesome. And like, like even in a in a 10-minute thing or, or an hour thing, there's always those things going on. I, I would say even if the folk holding the space are, are bring are inviting their awareness to these things, regardless of whether there's time or it's appropriate, every you know to consciously draw everyone's attention to them. That itself would bring value and just help help enrich and enliven the, f- the field of energy.
0: Yeah, like in, the, in its simplest form, it's just acknowledging that that life force is present across those three layers mm. all the time and, mm. and looking at it each time we do a learning experience,
1: mm-hmm. regardless of the topic. Paying attention to it. Yeah, and I guess evaluating, you know, defining how well it went in a sense in terms of that life force, what happened to mm-hmm. that. Where was it at the start? Where was it at the end? How, what was its journey over time? Mm. Yeah,
0: exactly, because it is an ebb and flow thing. It's not like you just mm. raise it up and then it's up there forever. It, it's always it's energy so it's it's constantly moving and expanding. Yeah.
1: It's not like yeah you you become a grandmaster at this and you just you click your fingers at the start of the event and everyone just starts <laughs> kind of vibrating in resonance and yeah. 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 Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's really exciting, you know, that you're, you you know, you're, you're you're on this journey yourself, you're getting to know yourself better and 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 the place, the 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 country and the r- region, as well as different layers of groups you're involved with, mm. and 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 in, in the in the game of evolution of development and and creating really potent uh, arenas and domains and spaces spheres for to support others.
0: Yeah. I've been not, like not witnessing, around. yeah, I've been witnessing how I've experienced the model through this whole process as well. You
1: know, yeah, how my, yeah,
0: yeah. How my embodied learning has been nourished, how my life force has been nourished, and like how I've got a clearer sense of my own essence and potential
1: mm-hmm. through this. Great to great to connect. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really fun to fun. hang out for. I mean, it'd be fun to hang out with the whole crew, but yeah.
0: Cool. But yeah, we would love to have you over. Um, just whenever you're next. I guess we're all a bit delayed now, but
1: yeah yeah Next round what a lovely exchange you know I'm so grateful to have this job no well I should say I'm so grateful to have this hobby you know where I get to enjoy these beautiful conversations with with people doing cool stuff around the world you know it makes me feel um, a sense of a sense of hope And I'm sure you enjoyed the chat also. Check out the show notes for links to um, some beautiful graphics of some of the things, uh, including the learning model at the end or the learning framework, I should say, not a model. emma shared and they're actually going to release they're going to release their brand new website a week from now so as soon as i get that link that'll be on the show notes as well so go and check that out i'll hope to converse with emma and and why not some of her colleagues as well dave hurst house has been involved in the um, project before he hasn't yet made his voice hasn't yet made it on our podcast but if you're out there dave know that your days are numbered you can run my friend but you can't hide um, I was going to tell you a bit about what's happening in general with making permaculture stronger. One highlight has been that the first making permaculture the first making permaculture stronger book is uh, is a happening thing with help from three amazing volunteers: Sarah May in Melbourne, James in New Zealand, Finn in Edinburgh, Scotland. We're meeting weekly. I was saying to saying to some of them that I'm feeling like I'm I'm washing the dishes and I've got three people drying the dishes. There's a bit of pressure on me to wash enough dishes to have a bit of a stack there so they've got something to to chew through editorial wise, but also getting a lot of insight and help on the whole project management aspect and publishing and illustrations and referencing and all the other stuff you've got to think about when you're putting a book together. But it's feeling really good. I'm really excited to be bringing the first several years of the project uh, together in a different way and completely. Complete taking inspiration from that material but completely rewriting it into what I'm hoping will be a a really accessible, compelling, friendly aid to anyone seriously interested in permaculture design process and education. So that's going on, I just uh, sent off my last couple of questions to Holistic Management founder Alan Savory today, we've been having quite a remarkable in-depth exchange that I'll look forward to sharing on the blog soon. He's been replying to my questions with a, surprise, a remarkable amount of candor and, and depth and thoroughness. and we a real, real honor to have the opportunity to engage so deeply with, with people like that. Um, Alan's he's had a significant impact on my life through his, his work on that decision-making approach. What else to tell you? things are alive, things are happening. Making Permaculture Stronger is a thing. Go and check out the website at makingpermaculturesstronger.net if you'd like to. Um, I'm going to be reorganizing the Patreon page, which is over at uh, patreon.com slash stronger soon. So maybe hold off. (laughs) And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to reorganize that a bit. and, And I'll tell you more about that down the track. I'm really keen to make things more more helpful, more valuable, more useful for for people serious, earnest and serious and genuine about lifting their game in terms of permaculture design and education. One other thing I'll mention before I wrap this up is that I've been using, uh, as you'll probably know if you've been listening, I've been using Insights Gleaned from Carol Sanford to revisit the underlying uh, direction and aims and purpose of this project and um, I was struck by a moment of clarity in the last week or two, I think it was since the last episode, and I've changed the bio on the website from collaboratively developing permaculture's potential, which still rings true for me, um, and yet I've realised it's kind of vague and very general. To uh, regenerating permaculture design process together, uh, you know that really that really that's landing for me right now. And on the contents page of the website, I I go I I, I talk through the meanings of the words regenerating permaculture design process and together. So that feels exciting and I'm doing quite a lot of work and just thinking about what it would take for this project to become more whole, more complete, more alive and um, more valuable um, to to be better able to serve the larger permaculture movement it is a part of. So stay tuned for that sort of thing. Please feed in with any ideas you might have, any requests you might have. Very, very open to all of that. Okay, I'll stop there. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it you showing up and haven't taken a listen, and I'll catch you in episode 46. Ciao.